Hello, and welcome to AOL Church, a place to connect. This is where we gather together common people and equip them to live connected lives. AOL Church exists to connect with God, connect with people, and ultimately connect people with God. Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. Now, let's listen in on this week's sermon. We are going to be going to 2 Samuel, the third chapter. 2 Samuel, the third chapter. We're going to begin our reading in verse number 12. But before we go there, let me let you understand what is going on. Hallelujah. In this scripture today, praise God. Hallelujah. As we come to this text, we find that David is reuniting what has been a civil war between Judah and Israel. Judah meaning praise. Israel meaning God's people. And there never can be a divide between praise and God's people. Praise and God's people are as one. Hallelujah. I got a few. Praise God. He is reuniting them. He is restoring them back to their rightful place. David is now approaching Zion. Because he just left the home or the house of Obed-Edom. He is not coming as a soldier. He's not coming as a warrior. He's not coming as a shepherd boy. He's not even coming as the psalmist. He is coming as the newly consecrated king to be king over Israel. But there's one detail that was done behind closed doors. David has now negotiated with a gentleman named Abner. Before he was crowned to be king, of Israel. He goes to Abner and negotiates with him. He was already anointed to be king. But you have to be in agreement with your anointing. Because if you're not, you're going to be miserable. Because if you're not in agreement with your anointing, the anointing is trying to pull you one way. Let me put it this way. God's, the anointing, God's will and God's word is trying to pull you one way and your will is trying to pull you another way. And you'll never be satisfied. You'll always be miserable until your anointing is in agreement with the assignment that God has put on your life. Second Samuel chapter 3 verse 12 and we'll read through verse 18. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf saying, whose is the land? Saying also, make thy league with me and behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. Verse 13. And he said, well, I will make a league with you, an agreement. But one thing I require of thee, that is, thou shalt not see my face, except thou first bring my cow. Saul's daughter will not comest to see my face. Verse 14. And David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife, Michal, which I espoused to me for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, even from Palti the son of Laish. And her husband went with her 
along weeping behind her to Belharem. Then said Abner unto him, Go, return, and he returned. Okay? We'll stop right there. He said, Go, back, return, and he returned. This is some drama going up in here. Okay? This is some, all you that like these soap operas and all this reality TV, this is some reality TV stuff right here. David is about to be king over Israel. He's working at a deal with Abner, but in order for Abner to facilitate and give David what was rightfully his and his wife, she has now married somebody, and he's crying in behind her, and she goes back. And Abner says to him, or Abner told him, or Abner told the old man to go home. Only the sanctified spiritual people got that. Abner told the old man to go home. Okay? In the Bible, when it speaks about the old man, it's talking about your old nature. Abner told the old man to go home. He, he was telling him, quit trying, hallelujah, to get me. Quit crying after me. Let me go. Hello? I know we did some things together, but we're breaking up. And my old attitude and my old temperament and my old hostility and my old habits and my old disposition, tell the man, tell that old man, stop crying. My husband is calling me. Verse 17, and Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, Ye sought David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it, for the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. Praise God. I want to preach today on this thought, if you will. God is calling me to transition to a higher place. God is calling me to transition to a higher place. Hallelujah. Before you're seated, and we've done it, but we will not do it enough, would you give God thanks for the word of God, and would you praise God, hallelujah, for what he's getting ready to do in this place right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I think we can, let's try to do a little bit better than that. Let's give God praise in this house. For he deserves every hand clap. He deserves everything that we give him. He is wonderful, powerful, mighty, hallelujah, glorious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Let me tell our praise team. I don't know if you did it for anybody else, but you blessed me. Hallelujah. They did a wonderful job today, anointed, and I appreciate, hallelujah, all that they do. It's interesting to understand that when you have a transition in one area of your life, it affects every area of your life. If you decide to relocate, it affects your family, it affects your marriage. It affects everything that's around you. If you have a transition, if you have a transition in your life, going up or going down, going on or going out, getting deeper in the spirit or coming out of the spirit, it affects everything that's in the house. So when David gets ready to change his life, it's a radical change. I want you to understand that today. When David gets ready to change his life, it's a radical change. It's a radical change even in his personal life. 
It affects everything you do. Hallelujah. It affects everything that you are connected to. If you go up, they go up. If you go down, they go down. If you go over, they go over. It affects them one way or the other. Let me just stop here. Hallelujah. That's why you need to conduct yourself. That's why you need to keep yourself. That's why you need to make sure that your relationship is right. Hallelujah. Because what you do and how you're affected is going to affect everything that's in your house. If you go over, they go over. If you go up, they go up. If you go down, they go down. I wonder if there's anybody who made up their mind, everything that I'm connected to is going to be blessed. Everything I'm connected to, hallelujah, is going to go up. Everything I'm connected to. And David is trying to figure out all these transitions. It's a radical transition in his public life. Radical means difficult. Radical means wild. Radical means rambunctious. And it also means it isn't easy. He's running into trouble trying to transition his life. Trouble is not an indication that you don't have permission. Mm -hmm. Trouble is not an indication that you don't have permission. What does that mean? That means Yuza has died on the way back home. He touched the Ark of the Covenant to try to study it. He died on the way back home. He's been delayed. David's been delayed for three months in the house of Obed-Edom in front of the people who admired him. It's one thing to have a private struggle. But it's a whole nother thing to have a public struggle. All this is happening in front of people that admire him. When everybody gets to weigh in on your struggle. And everybody gets to weigh in on what you're going through. Can I tell you, people are cruel. That's what I don't like about Facebook. That's why I don't like about Twitter. Hallelujah. You can say what you want to say without any consequences. When something happens in the public eye, hallelujah, and it's happening to David, everybody gets to weigh in, and people are cruel. Hallelujah. When people talk about you, they're cruel. When people stab you in the back, they're cruel. When people go behind your back, they're cruel. People are cruel. And David has had a public struggle in such a way that as he assumes leadership, hallelujah, the leadership that he is assuming challenges his leadership. The reason I want to dwell on this just for a minute is because a lot of you think just because God promised you something that everything is supposed to be smooth. Just because God promised you something, it's supposed to be easy. Can I tell you, give you a revelation today? If it is God, it will not be easy. I didn't think I'd get much. Hallelujah. It will be tough. It will be disappointing. It will be difficult. So he booby traps it so the hypocrites and the people out of the will of God can't get it. And David's going through this transition. It is also a time of restoration. Because David was promised when he killed Goliath that, that he would have Saul's daughter's hand in marriage. That was a part of the deal. If you go out there, you kill Goliath, I will give you my daughter's hand and, and, and in marriage. That's the deal. But David, I don't want somebody to get this today because this is very important. But David doesn't think that he's worthy of it. Go back and read your word. He doesn't believe that he's worthy of it. He was really supposed to receive Saul's eldest daughter, which would have made him the prince. At the time, and David doesn't feel worthy of it. 
sometimes God has things he's trying to give you. But because how you see yourself. You have enough anointing to get you into the arena. But your self-image is so damaged that you will sabotage what is rightfully yours and reject it and delay the process that God wants to give you in your life. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, you disagree with God about you. So this is David. He doesn't think he's worthy of it. And just because he doesn't think he's worthy of it, he rejects it. And because he rejects it, he delays the process that God has in his life. So now the marriage is off. But when David gets into the palace, he's supposed to marry Michael, who actually is in love with him and wants to marry him. But Saul, instead of honoring the commitment that he made with David about Goliath, now says, if you go out and kill a hundred Philistines and bring me or cut their foreskins off and bring them to me, you can have my daughter, Michal. Now, come on. She can't be that fine. There's gotta be pretty, uh, there got to be some more pretty girls in Israel, right? Right? There's got to be somebody else. Praise God. Hallelujah. 100 Philistines, foreskins, come on. You can't be that great. You can't be that fine. Hallelujah. Michael, I'm going to miss you because there got to be somebody else, right? And David killed 100 Philistines. And cut their foreskins off and threw them down at the throne before Saul. You see, Saul was trying to kill him. Oh, I'm going to get somebody on this. Saul was trying to kill him and he had sent him out in the battlefield in hopes that the Philistines would do the job for him. This is where David learned this mess from. Oh, hallelujah. When David later tries to kill Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, the reason David sent him to the front lines is because he's doing to Uriah what Saul had done to him. See, you learn this mess from somebody. He's doing the exact same thing that Saul did to him. Hallelujah. You learn this mess. You learn this behavior. You learn this pattern from somebody. And David finds himself in this situation and he takes 100 foreskins and throws them down at the, at, at the throne of Saul. And he takes Michael to wife. And because their marriage is turbulent, because Saul seeks to kill him, she helps David to escape from Saul and then she tells Saul that David made her do it because she's a little sneaky just like her daddy is that's why you have to break family curses oh, I'm not going to get anything today that's why you've got to break family curses hallelujah in Jesus name I break every spirit of depression in Jesus name I break every spirit of fear in Jesus name I break every spirit of low self esteem in Jesus name I break every spirit of doubt I'm ready to walk in the fullness hallelujah the purpose of God has in my life I come against the spirit of procrastination in the name of Jesus God is calling you out of your kindred can I get an amen or oh my or something God is calling you out of your kindred you're not supposed to be like them oh my gosh I said you're not supposed to be like them you're not going to be like your daddy. You're not going to be like your mama. You're not going to be like your sister or your brother or your uncles or anything. You're not supposed to be like them. God is breaking that yoke in your life so the curse can be broken over your children. 
I thought I'd get a little bit more on that. Hallelujah. God is breaking the curse on your life. Hallelujah. So it may be broke over your children, Brother Raphael, and over your children's children, and over your children's children's children. Michael lies to her father. She lies about David and says, David made her do it. David is excommunicated out of the palace. Michael is taken from David and given to this old man. He takes David's wife, Saul does, takes David's wife and gives her to another man. So when we fast forward to the text that we come to today, many years have passed and David said, I'm taking over Israel, so give me back my wife. And the old man that she is with is now so upset because he has lost control of her. Oh, I got one right. Whenever God calls you to a higher place, the old man will always be upset. Oh, I'm not getting anything. Now, David has sent for Michael, but the old man is coming with her. And he's crying. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to back up just a minute. David has sent for Michael, and the old man is coming with her. It takes the prophet to step in. It takes Abner to step in and say, look, you need to go back home. He's coming with her, hallelujah, and he's crying. I want you to understand one thing. She's not crying. You didn't get that. The Bible says he was crying. She's not crying. The old man is crying. See, some of you are in situations where you're helping the other person is hurting you. Mm -hmm. I know I wouldn't get much on that. Some of you are in situations right now where you're helping the other person and that is hurting you. But God's getting ready to flip the season on you. God's getting ready to turn around. Hallelujah. So God called Michael to a higher place. God's calling Michael back to Zion. God's calling Michael back to the city of David. And the old man and the old nature doesn't want to release her and he's crying. And some of you, God is calling you to a higher place. I'll wait on you for that. Some of you, God is calling to a higher place. I didn't say everybody. I said some of you, God is calling to a higher place. You should allow God to recognize who you are right now. Some of you, God is calling to a higher place. And when you get into the presence of God and you feel the pull of the Spirit, I'm telling you, something's fighting this service today. But when you get in the presence of God and you feel the pulling of the Spirit, but as soon as you leave this place, as soon as you leave, this service, the old man is following you and he's crying after you and he's trying to talk you into going back home with him. But the devil is a liar. I hope I got something on that. The devil is a liar. Today, we're gonna break free from what was, hallelujah. Today, we're gonna break free from everything that's trying to pull you back. Hallelujah. Today, we're gonna break free from what was so you can be ready for what is. Somebody understand that today. Hallelujah. If you're struggling with something, if the enemy's in your high, in your ear telling you things, if things are attacking you right now, you should stand up on your feet and declare, today is the day that I'm breaking free of it. Today is the day, hallelujah, that I, it's not going to follow me anymore. Today is the day I'm not going back home with it. God's calling me to a higher place. God is calling me. Oh, my gosh. So David is coming to Zion. What is Zion? 
the Bible describes Zion as the city of David. He's coming to get his wife. And he's coming to the place. He's coming to place the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, not back on Mount Gibeah where Moses' tabernacle sits. Mm -mm. Where it is a monument to where God was. Oh. But David is taking the Ark of the Covenant where it has never been before. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought I'd get. David is taking the Ark of the Covenant to where it's never been before. And I challenge Every young man that's in this place today, I don't care about who's not here, everyone that's online, I challenge every young man and I challenge every young woman in this place to take it where it has never been before. I'm challenging this generation to take, hallelujah, the Spirit of God where it has never been before. Hear me today as your pastor. My landing place ought to be your liftoff point. My landing place ought to be your liftoff point. Start where I finished. You're not here. Start where I finished. When I finish, I'll drop the mantle. Where I did eight miracles, you go and do 16 miracles. You start where I finish. David is taking the Ark of the Covenant. To a place it's never been before. Now look, Moses' tabernacle had seven pieces of furniture. We understand that. It's covered with animal skins. We know that. It has bowls, it has altars, it has trumpets. It has a gate which is symbolic with the clothing of the priest. It is blue, it is scarlet, it is purple. It is blue, it is crimson. It is purple. It is the door. It is what Jesus said. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That's the door. Then there's the brazen altar. The brazen altar is the place where the lamb is slain and the blood is shed. Then there is the laver. The laver is the place where the priest washed. They had to pass from blood to water. And out of, out of Jesus came forth blood and water. And you must be born again of the water and the spirit. Hallelujah. You see the old, this is an Old Testament picture of Jesus. And then they entered into the holy place. And there they see the table of shoe bread. Where Jesus said, I am the true bread that fell from heaven. Then they come to the candlesticks. Where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Then they come to the altar of incense. Speaking to intercessory prayer. For he said, for we have not a high priest. Which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted. Last night we are yet without sin. He comes to the veil, the veil between how the holy place and the holy of holies. Then you come into the holy of holies, the most holy place. That's the tabernacle of Moses. The problem with this tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant that's supposed to be behind the veil. There's nothing back there anymore. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. It's been in the hands of the Philistines. And there's nothing there anymore. So they're killing lambs. They're offering sacrifices. They're doing peace offerings. They're doing drink offerings. And wave offerings. But there's nothing back there anymore. And they're washing at the laver. But there's nothing back there anymore. And they are eating at the table of shoe bread. But there's nothing back there anymore. And it smells like smoke. And they're praying and they're making intercession. But there's nothing 
back there anymore. And they're going through a form and a fashion of religion, but there's nothing back there anymore. But when David finds the Ark of the Covenant, he lifts the Ark up and starts dancing his way back and up to Mount Zion to set the Ark of the Covenant in David's tabernacle. Oh, my God. What do you mean David's tabernacle? Did anybody understand that David had a tabernacle in 2 Samuel 6 and 17 and said they brought it in the ark of the Lord, set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David pitched for it and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. There's no brazen altar. There's no laver. There's no washing to be done. There's no table of shoe bread. There's no altar of incense. There's no changing of garments. David's tabernacle is a one-room tent, meaning I can have immediate access to God. Oh, you didn't get it. Moses' tabernacle shows us the cost of redemption. Moses' tabernacle shows us the plan of salvation, the smell of burning flesh, the bloody fans filled with blood, and the bloody path that steps all the way to the Holy of Holies. Thank God for the plan of salvation. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the redemption. But David's tabernacle shows us not just the plan, not just the cost of redemption, not the plan of salvation, but David's tabernacle shows us the effect and the benefit of the redemption. He's saying it's already paid for. I'm not going to go in killing stuff. Hallelujah. But I'm going to go in. Hallelujah. Because I got to praise. And because I got to worship. And because I want to give God all my praise. It's here. I can enter into the gates with thanksgiving. And do its course with praise. Oh, somebody. Hallelujah. Zion is about praise. Zion is about worship. Zion is about able to access. Hallelujah. God, through worship and through praise. I wish somebody, hallelujah, would join these uh, that are doing it right now. If you want access to God, would you either give him some praise or some worship? My God. Somebody needs to understand today, hallelujah, these tabernacles coexisted at the same time. That Moses was still there, but David's tabernacle was still there. It didn't erase it. It just showed you, hallelujah, the plan of salvation, the cost of redemption. But now God's showing us through David, we have got access through worship and through praise. Zion, hallelujah, means I can be in prison. But I, when I start praising God, I can bring Zion into the jail cell with praise and with worship. Oh, we're going to get there. Hold on. Moses' tabernacle teaches us or explains what Jesus did for us. And thank God for what God robed himself in flesh and did for us. It shows us, it explains to us what God did for us behind the veil where we could not see. David's tabernacle teaches us that access is granted. Moses' tabernacle teaches us an annual visit with God that once a year on the Day of Atonement, you can have access to God. David's tabernacle teaches us of an ongoing relationship. Mm. It doesn't have to be any special day. It doesn't have to be any special place. Wherever praises go up, woo, I've got access unto God. Wherever I decide to worship, mm, hallelujah, I've got access to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Tell somebody. I know we're in social distancing, but you, this is worth telling somebody. Hallelujah. Say, so you need to listen to this. 
we have a responsibility to praise God is our God-given responsibility. It is our job to praise God. That's why Hebrews 13 and 15 says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. I'm going to read it again because I want you to get this. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. It's nice that you clap your hands. It's nice that you dance. It's nice that you shout. It's nice that you run the aisle sometimes. Not today, but sometimes. But because your God is a speaking God, He wants a speaking praise. Mm. You didn't hear that. Hallelujah. Because your God is a speaking God, he, your God wants a speaking praise because you can do all of that other stuff and not make a sound. But you have to understand that sound breaks silence. Silence is not a thing, so it cannot be measured. Silence is like darkness. There is no measurement for darkness. But there's measurements for increments of light. What does that mean? All darkness is, is the absence of light. All silence is, is the absence of sound. So when God wants you to approach him, he says, open your mouth and make a sound. When you approach God, he wants a speaking praise. Oh, hand clapping's good. Hallelujah. Dancing is good. Hallelujah. Shouting is good. But he says, I want a speaking praise. You're not. He who opens his mouth and said, let there be. He who John said, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God all things are made by him and without him was not anything made that was uh, that was made all things were made by the word let there be God stepped on nothing and made a sound and all of a sudden stuff started to appear oh the power of life and death is in your. If you open your mouth, you can change the situation. If you open your mouth, you can change what you're going through. If you open your mouth. Mm. Oh, I didn't get everybody. I'm going to get somebody right now. When Jesus was with Peter and everybody started leaving him because Jesus was saying stuff like, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you should have no part with me. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, will thou leave me also? And Peter said, whether shall I go? For in your mouth is the words of eternal life. Life is in your mouth. My God. Life is in your mouth. Somebody better get this. Hallelujah. If you don't shout on this, I'll shut it down. That's why when they nailed him to the cross, in order for him to die, he had to say he could not even murmur. He couldn't even mumble a word because if he had spoke, death would have had to back up. Oh, you don't believe me. Believes Lazarus then. Lazarus was dead in the grave. And stinking, the Bible said. And Jesus came down to the tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. 
forth and all of a sudden Lazarus comes out of the grave if you open your mouth something's going to happen if you open your mouth something's gonna take oh my gosh see when people come into an apostolic church they struggle when people come into an apostolic church, they struggle. Why? Because they think you're jumping and hollering because you're emotional. They struggle because they think that it's emotional or maybe denominational or maybe it's cultural. But they didn't understand it's none of that. It's obedience. See, I knew I wouldn't even get apostolic people on that. Why? Praise is a command. It's not a question. God didn't say, see if you feel like praising me. No. He, he didn't say, if you give chill bumps, praise me. No. He said, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Praise is a command. Praise is a command. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. If God gave you breath, give it back. If God gave you breath, give it back. If God gave you breath, give it back. God is calling us to a higher place. I said God is calling us to a higher place. This is only for those that want to go. There is a place in the spirit that a few people ever touch. There is a place in the spirit a few people ever touch. Now watch this. In the book of Hebrews, the theme of the book is the book of better things. The writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to show the Jews what is is better than what was. Hallelujah. I don't understand that, Pastor. Good. Hebrews 12, 18. Would you just put Hebrews chapter 12 up there? Just leave it hanging up there. All right? 12, and let's start at verse 18. I want you to see this. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burn with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. Verse 19. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated, or in another translation said begged, that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Wait, what's he talking about? He's talking about Mount Sinai. Remember when Moses came to Mount Sinai with the children of Israel at the bottom of the mountain and they wanted to hear God speak. But God started coming around the mountain. God started descending upon Mount Sinai and the people said, no, we will not hear him. No, we don't want to hear God. We will hear Moses and not God. They couldn't touch the mountain because the mountain was on fire. And God said, don't let the animals come near it because if they come near it, hallelujah, we're going to kill them and stone them too. I want you to understand this morning, this is where the plans of Moses' tabernacle was given in this place. But the writer of Hebrews says, you will not come to the mountain that burns with smoke that cannot be touched. Mm. Hebrews, put verse 20 up. For they could not endure that which
which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. Verse 21. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Verse 22. But ye are come unto, unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Oh my gosh. It means when you praise God in this place of the Spirit, you are coming into a realm that's not of this world. My God. You're not hearing me. When you get to this place and you start praising God in the place of the Spirit, you're coming into a realm that's not of this world. I know it looks like your house. I know it online and looks like your living room. But if you praise God, if you praise Him deeply and get in the Spirit, you're not in the house. Hallelujah. Any If you begin to praise God deeply, hallelujah, you're not in your house anymore. You've come to Mount Zion. Oh, I ain't got anybody. Now you've got to be a real worshiper to know this feeling. Where are the real worshipers at? Because you've got to be real, a real worshiper to know this feeling. There is a place in the spirit that even though you know that you're in your house by yourself, you don't feel alone anymore. Mm. You've stepped into another realm when you begin to praise him, when you begin to worship him. You've stepped into another realm. You've stepped into a higher place. You have come to Mount Zion. You've come to the city of the living God. And I have, oh my gosh. And I have tied into the heavenly Jerusalem. When I praise him, I come into the heavenly Jerusalem. Oh. I don't know how long it's been for you. I don't know how long it's been since you felt that. I don't know how long it's been, hallelujah. But I'm telling you, God's the place that God's calling us into. That's the place that God wants his church to get into. When we begin to praise and worship him, hallelujah. You're not alone anymore. You've walked into another realm. You've stepped into a higher place. You've stepped into a heavenly, hallelujah, Jerusalem, hallelujah. So, does anybody believe that this morning? Do I got any believers that believe that? So if you believe that, you should praise on this. So you were depressed when you started praising him. But when you got into the praise, when you got into worshiping him, praise got stopped at the gate because there's no, there's no depression in Zion. Addictions cannot go there. Depression cannot go there. Fear cannot go there. Hallelujah. Sickness cannot go there. That's why I love to praise him. Sometimes the devil is chasing me. I'll wait for you on that. Sometimes the devil is chasing me. But if I can make it to the gate, if I can make it, hallelujah, to a place of praise, if I can make it to a place of worship, I'm going to tell somebody and prophesy today, if you keep praising him, you're going to step into something. If you keep praising him, you're going to a higher place. I dare you today. I know we're in social distancing, but I dare you right now to praise him with everything you got. I dare you to step into that heavenly Jerusalem. See if I can get somebody. When you start praising God, you get energy that you didn't have. When you start praising God, you get peace that you can't explain. When you start praising God, you get power that boggles your mind. 
Would somebody be bold enough to tell the enemy, I'm changing? Would somebody be bold enough to tell your, uh, 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 whatever's attacking you, I'm changing? God's changing me. I've come into something. I've moved to another city. I've stepped into a higher power. Are you getting it? Are y'all with me? You are hearing what I'm saying today? Hallelujah. God's changing us. God's calling us to a higher place. And when all hell breaks loose, and it is, and you have to take a break. Pastor, I just need a break. Pastor, I just need a break. I have to go get some coffee from Starbucks. I have to go get some coffee from Joe Beans. Hallelujah. I got to take a coffee break. I wish you'd go somewhere and take a praise break. Because when the praises go up, the blessings come down. I wish you would take, hallelujah, just as many praise breaks as you do coffee breaks. I wish you'd take as many praise breaks as you do, hallelujah. I got to get away. I just know you ain't got to get away. You got to get in to the realm of the spirit that God's calling us. God's got blessings. He wants to send down when blessings go up, when praises go up. The glory comes down. Oh, my gosh. I got about half on that. I got 50% on that. All right? I'll take that 50%. Because if the 50% believe that, here comes something else. And not just that, but you've come to... If I can get to the place of the heavenly Jerusalem, then the next step is an innumerable company of angels. Angels in my home, angels on my job, angels wherever you go, angels in my family, angels for my protection. Oh, hallelujah. See, you don't believe that today, but I believe it. Angels, hallelujah, without number. See, I got to give you Bible. Elijah had a servant who woke up in the morning and he looked up and saw the host of Syria all around him. And he came back and told the prophet, they have us surrounded. But Elijah said, Father, open his eyes. Father, allow him to step into another realm. Father, allow him to step into a higher place. Hallelujah. And when he opened his eyes, the whole mountain was lit up with the angels of the Lord. The Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp around him that fear him. I came to tell somebody today in COVID-19, I came to tell somebody today with everything that's going on, you're not in this thing by yourself. You're not in this thing by yourself. Verse 23, if you would. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, <laughs> which are written in heaven. Where? Which are written in heaven. Where? What was your prayer request? Would you ask God? I want to know if my name's in the Lamb Book of Life. To the general assembly in the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And to God, the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. Go to verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling. That speaketh better things than that of Abel. Abel. Verse 25. See that ye refuse not him. Mm. That what? Speaketh 
speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on the earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth. <laughs> How convenient this morning. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Verse 27. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. God is calling the church God is calling AOL to transition to a higher place. And the only thing that's going to get you into that realm, into that place, is praise and worship because it is a speaking offering unto God. God's calling us. God's calling every individual that's here. God's calling those that have been consistent in church. God's calling those that have not been consistent in church. God's calling backsliders. God's calling every child. God's calling every man. God's calling every woman. God's calling the church to transition to a higher place. Mm -hmm. God is so sick and tired of this Western Christianity and this form of religion and this form of Christianity with no commitment unto righteousness and no commitment unto holiness and no commitment unto his word. God is calling the church to a higher place. He's speaking. God's word is coming from heaven. Calling us to a higher place. And I don't care who you are. I don't even care where you are. Hallelujah. I don't care what you've done before you walked into the door of the house of God today. I don't care what's ha happening and, and the attacks that are on you or the decisions that you're making. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you, God's calling you. God's calling you to transition to a higher place. God's calling you out of a form of religion. God's calling you, hallelujah, praise God, out of a form, hallelujah, praise God. I just don't want a form of, hallelujah of godliness. I don't want it as a form and deny the power thereof. Hallelujah. God's calling us out of that. He's calling us to a higher place. But you'll never get there if you cannot see it. You'll never get there. Hallelujah. Praise God. It can, let me just say this and I'll end it like this. Moses' tabernacle coexisted with David's tabernacle. Moses' tabernacle was on Mount Gibeah. David's tabernacle was on Mount Zion, the city of David, at the same time. One was going through the motions. One was going through a form of religion with the Ark of the Covenant wasn't even in there. One had the Ark of the Covenant. Instead of going through the motions and through the protocol, he was taking advantage of the benefit of the access of redemption. 
God is trying to show us. These consist or coexist at the same time. Redemption, plan of salvation, but also access by worship and praise. That's why I had to get up and say, look, apostolic church at the last, at last days, and we're going to act like this when we start singing, there's no other name like Jesus. Hallelujah. What are we waiting for? The annual once a year special service, special day so we can feel it? Or are we like David? I'm going to get access every time. I'm going to praise him every time. I'm going to go into it every time. Somebody hear me today. Moses had different rooms that you went all the way to the Holy of Holies. David's tent had one room. It's a personal experience with God. It's a personal relationship with God. Hallelujah. If I just lift up my voice and begin to praise him, I will feel him wherever I am. If I just go and worship him, I feel him. I'm telling you today, God is calling the church to a one-room experience with him, a relationship with him. He's calling people. Hallelujah. To let you understand you have access. You have access to the glory and the power of God. Hallelujah. He's calling us to a higher place. Let's do it like this. Stand to your feet. Close your eyes. If you're in this house today, if you're in this place right now, without hesitation, without any, hallelujah, reservation, if you're in this place today, And you want to move up to that higher place. You want to step into that realm. You know God's calling you. You know God's calling you. You didn't even have to wait for me to preach this message. You know God's calling you. You know God's calling you. You've heard his voice. You hear it every day. He has just confirmed it. The old man's crying after you, but God's called you to the city of David. The old man is trying to bring you back home, but God's calling you to a higher place. I don't know where you've been, but God's calling you back to Zion. I don't know who you've been with, but God's calling you back to Zion. I don't know what you've been listening to, but God's calling you back to Zion. I don't know what's been trying to trip you up, deceive you, attack you. God's calling you back to Zion. And when you get there, you have a choice to make. Because David came in, took off his kingly robes, danced before the Lord with all his might as the Ark of the Covenant came in. And Michael refused to worship. Michael refused to praise. After God called her back to the kingdom. This is your decision today. The word has called you. The voice of God has called you back. What you decide right now is your choice what you decide right now determines your destiny so I ask today I know we're in social distancing if you want to come to the altar in distance or if you just want to stand in the aisleway hallelujah to allow God I'm coming back to that place. I hear you calling me. Just by you stepping out, you're allowing God to understand I'm making my way back. Just by you stepping out, you're saying, I'm coming. Hallelujah. I've heard your voice. I hear you calling. I'm making my way back. And as I make my way back, I'm coming with praise. I'm coming with worship. 
I'm coming, God. I hear your voice. I'm coming, God. I hear your call. I'm coming, God. Hallelujah. There's so many more than this. But I can't make the decision for you. There's so many more than this. But I can't make up your mind today. But I'm telling you right now, God's is God's calling. Hallelujah. You've heard it. You felt it. For those that have, I just want right where you are. Would you just go ahead and don't worry about anything else. Hallelujah. Don't worry about, hallelujah, just repenting. Don't worry about, hallelujah, trying to make things right. Would you just begin to praise and worship Him and get into that realm. And when you get to that place, you understand I'm not by myself. Get in that heavenly Jerusalem. Amen. Angels are coming. An innumerable company of angels. Hear your calling, God. I will make it right. I hear your calling, God. <laughs> 